0: Can you think of a time when you had an I-can't-believe-what-I-just-saw moment? Now, maybe you were in the stands or in front of a TV for a World Series baseball game. Two outs, full count, bottom of the ninth, and the batter hit a home run. I remember the announcer saying, I can't believe what I just saw when I saw that. Or perhaps you were watching your sister, you know, the first in your family to attend college, walk the stage at graduation. That was amazing. Or that moment when. You watched your child come into this world and be placed into his mother's arms. <laughs> yeah, all those are amazing, memorable moments. Well, for this episode of the Discover the Word podcast, Bill Crowder, Elisa Morgan, Rasul Barry, and Daniel Ryan Day are back at the table. And what we're going to do with our time together, actually in the next two episodes, is look for the word amazing as it appears in the New Testament Gospel of Mark. But before we dive into this amazing conversation, let's here, Bill Crowder give a little extra context to the word amazing. Greek has a smorgasbord of
1: terms that get translated into amazed or marveled at. And they have kind of different little bit of flavoring to them, but there are nuances mm-hmm.
0: to, to those different words. And so, amazed, astounded, surprised, struck out of your senses, perplexed. Those are all ways that could be translated that people were amazed by Jesus. And so Bill will be leading the conversation for these two episodes as we discover the word amazing nine different times that it's connected to Jesus in the book of Mark. I think you may be surprised, perhaps even amazed, at what Jesus did to cause that amazement. And we also hope that maybe this will open our eyes to see that, you know, even today we're still experiencing amazing moments with Jesus. But before we get to the Gospel of Mark, Bill wants us to look at the Old Testament to remember that, you know, God's been doing amazing things from the very beginning. Okay, so when the Beatles broke up
1: and they went their (laughs) separate ways, they each had their own solo careers. And clearly the most successful of those solo careers was Paul McCartney. And his first big solo hit was a song that he wrote for his wife Hmm. called Maybe I'm Amazed at the Way You Love Me. Would you sing it for us now, No, I won't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you for asking, but no, I I will choose not to. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, But it struck me that he was so amazed at how much his wife loved him that he wanted to write a song to her about it. And it caused me to think about, what are the things that amaze me? And I'd like for us to just kind of kick around. What are some things that amaze you?
2: Oh, man. Well, you know... I'm a basketball fan and just sports guy, and Steph Curry amazes mm, me. Absolutely, like the guy shoots three pointers from anywhere, like yeah, in the hallway. <laughs> of the, no, literally, like <laughs> you know, off the has, bench. You know, it's. And I just t- can't understand that. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah,
3: That's a good one. Okay, I, I, I'm thinking about, it's just a few years ago that I stood at the Niagara Falls. I'd never seen it before. Mm. And I was amazed. I was yeah. amazed. And then we got on the boat and went down into them. Yeah. And I was even more amazed. Yeah. Just so dramatic, so powerful, so majestic.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I'm thinking of very everyday things that, Amaze me. One of those is birds. Birds? And the mm. amazing colors, mm. the different sizes, the different ways their wings flap, the different sounds they make.
3: How they puff up when yeah. they're in the mating season. Yeah. yeah.
4: And then in the trees that they land in, and we did a whole series on trees and talked about that book, Hidden Life of Trees. And so now trees really amaze me. And and then barbecue amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's break for lunch. <laughs> mm.
1: Back in the ancient times, my dear wife brought five children into this world, mm. and that amazes me. Mm. Totally. That amazes me. Totally. We want to spend a couple of weeks worth of conversations talking about amazing things, but not birds or barbecue or basketball babies. Or, we, babies. or babies it's all the bees the killer yeah. bees right mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. we're going to look at some things in the bible and we're going to kick it off in this conversation with a couple of places in the old testament where amazing things happen and then we're going to transition to the gospel of mark mark is a very action-oriented gospel as you know and one of his favorite words at least the way it translates into english is the word amazed Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to find over these two weeks that there are nine times in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus says or does something and it says the crowd was amazed Mm -hmm. or the individual he was dealing with was amazed at it. And I want us to think about that because in spite of our conversation about things that amaze us, we're kind of over that in our culture. I mean, with modern technology Mm -hmm. and everything. I mean, you know, I read someplace, if you took somebody from the 1850s and dropped them into 2023, they'd go insane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there'd be so many amazing things that they could not process. I kind of wonder if sometimes it wasn't that way with Jesus, Mm -hmm. that he did and said so many amazing things that people were constantly just trying to process Mm -hmm. what they were experiencing.
3: That's an interesting analogy.
1: Yeah. And to your point, there's been a lot that I've read about the loss of
4: wonder, um, W O N D E R in our world and how hard it is for people to have, uh, enjoyment over simple things mm-hmm. anymore and things like that mm-hmm. related to the amount of technology we consume and how that reshapes our brains. And yeah. So I wonder if in some ways too, they
1: were maybe more set up to be amazed by Jesus, too. Yeah. So let's look at just a couple of places in the Old Testament. And I think both of these are really fascinating. So let's start. Daniel, would you read for us Joshua 3, verse 5? Joshua
4: told the people, Consecrate yourselves or set yourselves apart, for tomorrow
1: the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, from what I could find, this is the only time where an amazing thing is actually predicted. And it seems as though the amazing thing specifically that Joshua's talking about that the Lord's going to do among them the next day is the parting of the waters of the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is when they're just getting ready to enter the promised land. Moses is dead. The reins of leadership have been handed over to Joshua. And he says, consecrate yourselves, prepare yourselves, Mm -hmm. set yourselves apart to the Lord. Why? God's going to do something special tomorrow. And you need to be spiritually ready for what's going to happen. And when I first stumbled on this verse, I thought, what a great way to live that would be, mm-hmm. mm. to constantly be preparing yourself huh. for the amazing thing that God could that's, do the next rich. day, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, let's look at a second one, okay. uh, Judges 13, verses 19 to 20. Elisa, would you read that?
3: Then Manoah took a young goat together with the grain offering and sacrificed it on a rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven, an angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground.
1: See any wonder in
4: there? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, especially because... The angel didn't descend. Yes. Yeah.
1: Where
3: he come from. They, they the set him on fire. there. Yeah. yeah.
1: If, if you go back, I encourage you to go back yeah. and read Judges 13 because this is really. The middle of the the Samson birth story. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of coming in on the tail end of the chapter. But Manoah and his wife are just kind of normal Israelites. They kind of live on the fringe territory bordering Philistine land. And the Philistines at this time were the major adversarial foe of Israel. And Manoah and his wife as sometimes happens in scripture, don't have any children mm-hmm. and appear that they can't have any children. And so what's interesting is through the whole chapter, they keep referencing Manoah. They never give his wife's name. Mm-hmm. When I've taught on this, i said, just for our purposes, we're going to call her Betty. Uh, so it's Manoah and Betty. Okay. But the, an angel appears to Betty and tells her that she's going to have a baby and he's going to end up being a deliverer from the oppression of the Philistines. And she goes and tells her husband, and he's kind of like, huh, wow, that's something. Um, You know, if he comes back, I'd like to talk to him. And so when the angel comes back a second time, she goes and gets Manoah and brings him. And this event of sacrifice happens. And the amazing thing is that as the fire of the sacrifice went up, the angel ascended as well, who had been there with them and talking to them and giving them, Wouldn't this have been handy before we were parents? Giving them instructions on how to raise this child.
4: Mm -hmm. I think it also points to something else that's pretty amazing in the story of the Bible over and over and over again. You started off by describing them as nobodies from fringe territory. Mm. And how often is the story of the Bible... A nobody from a fringe territory. A
3: nobody from nowhere. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
4: And God shows up and does something special through them. So like the amazing, obviously, this is very amazing watching an angel go up in flames and not go up as in burning, but literally going up in the flames. (laughs) But there's also an amazing thing that's already happened just with this promise of a child to people that we would probably pass on the street and think, oh nothing would happen special in their lives, but that's how God works. Yeah, and not only do they fall to the ground, but if we go a
2: couple of verses later in verse, it says uh, 21, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this is one of those theophanies that we see, (laughs) you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, to your point, Rasul, the phrase the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament often refers to a bodily appearance of Jesus Mm -hmm. pre-Bethlehem. And by using that designation of angel of the Lord, a lot of scholars do believe that that was Jesus who had appeared to them. And he was appearing to them not just to rise up out of the flames, but he was doing what angels do. The word angel means messenger. Mm -hmm. And he had come to give them a message. You're going to have a kid. He's going to be the deliverer of Israel. And, of course, that baby, through this miraculous birth event, ended up being Samson, one of the most complex Mm And difficult and challenging, I'm going to put air quotes here, heroes (laughs) in the Old Testament. I've referred to him as a hero who is more like an anti-hero with the strength of a superhero. (laughs) Um, But the anti-hero is really the part that kind of maybe best captures Samson. But it all started here with (laughs) an amazing thing. So maybe I'm amazed at the way God uses ordinary people, and brings them to make huge contributions in his story, and that includes rescuing Israel from the Philistines.
0: Yeah, and maybe that's why so often we're amazed at the way God's plan ends up being worked out, because God's always been doing amazing things, and he's still doing amazing things in our lives today if we'll just take the time to look at it from that perspective. well, Beginning this series on finding amazing things Jesus did, as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, by looking at just a couple of times, we see that people were amazed at what God was doing back in the Old Testament. Now, the next part of the conversation, we'll fast forward to Jesus and begin looking at the nine times in the Gospel of Mark We read about amazing moments and explore what it was that people were amazed at in the life of Jesus. Bill Crowder, Elisa Morgan, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry, your study partners for this two-part study here on Discover the Word called Amazing Moments. Now, you may remember in that uh, first part of the conversation that Daniel mentioned another Discover the Word series about trees, Was called What's With All the Trees, and it came out back in April of 2022. And if you want to listen to that Bible study the group did, or any of our previous studies, you can easily go to our website and find an extensive collection of our Bible studies available in the Discover the Word archive. And when I say there's a lot there, there are hundreds of series that you can listen to. So explore, engage, and Be encouraged when you listen to our current series, revisit a favorite from the past, or explore something that's new to you. Go to discovertheword.org, click on archives. And for example, if you want to listen to that What's With All the Trees series, well then search the word trees, and the one Daniel mentioned will appear. You can also search by date or by scripture passage. To start digging into the Discover the Word archives, go to discovertheword.org. Well, we started out this series by noting a couple amazing events from the Old Testament that remind us that from the beginning, God's been doing amazing things. Let's transition now over to the section of Scripture that will be the base for the rest of this study as we look for the word amazing those nine times in the Gospel of Mark and reflect on the situation that caused people to be amazed.
1: Okay, have you ever been in a session where somebody was speaking, and you felt like you were profoundly changed by what you heard Mm -hmm. in that presentation. Do you remember any details? Just
4: a little while ago, Rasul and I were in an event where somebody was honored for what they had written in newspapers, articles, things like that, and there were three speeches to honor this guy. And he and I looked at each other, I don't know how many times during those three speeches, because they were just like each one was wow. like, how could this get better? How could this get better? Yeah. And each of those speeches was so inspiring. And mm. I was reminded of what it looks like to take that much time to calculate what you're actually going to say. And... It was honoring that person, but challenging those of us in the audience. And I don't know. Do you have any other comments? I mean, no, (laughs) yeah, it was And just for context. So the person that they were honoring is a writer
2: and they were all writers and they knew Mm -hmm. him and were close friends with him Hmm. and they were all deeply committed in their faith and being in these like spaces. And so... The depth of insight and creativity, and and just the words were—it was just moving to be there. Yeah, yeah. So no, that that was something to see. <laughs> and I guess the reaction was, it made me appreciate the person more, and it made me like just appreciate their artistry, yeah, Of yeah.
4: how to use the mm. words. And it made me want to be a better person myself. Yes. <laughs> right? So something
3: good could be said about you. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. You know, I—I I for sure. Have been deeply impacted by my pastor constantly. I don't know how he so beautifully gets scripture and brings out something you've never seen every time he gets up and preaches. But I'm going to go to a whole different place. And I remember 30 years ago, being at my father's house, and, as a lot of people know, my parents were divorced when I was five years old, and I was estranged from my father and We had just finished dinner, and my husband and kids and his wife went in to take the dishes in and um he looked up at me and he said, "Alisa, all of your life, money was more important than you and I'm sorry hmm. Hmm. and I was profoundly impacted right. by that moment so much so that I really had to work to stay present emotionally i, I wanted to brush that apology away like oh no big deal yeah. but god went mm, 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 mm. you know you've been waiting a long time to hear this and i remember just consciously saying thank you yeah and mm-hmm. you know i forgive you you know and i'm glad for the time we do have now but it profoundly mm-hmm. impacted yeah impacted sure. me yeah
1: for me it was in my second year of Bible college. I came to Christ during my first year of Bible college. And in the second year of Bible college in the fall, they brought in a guest speaker to do a couple of weeks of special meetings and stuff. And one night he preached on the cross. Mm. I'd never heard anything like it before, and I've never heard anything like it since. But you could hear people openly weeping. Hmm. at what Jesus did to pay for us, to rescue us and to save us. And I've thought about that so many times, Mm -hmm. kind of like what you were describing, Daniel. It seemed like the whole thing was just perfectly wordsmithed, Mm. but it was wordsmithed and then set on fire with passion that was just Mm -hmm. amazing to me. And I'll never forget it. (laughs) When we think about people that we have heard and listened to and who have contributed to shaping us, I always say, imagine what it would have been like one time to be in an audience where Jesus was speaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, the master teacher of all master teachers, and to hear him and to respond to what he was teaching. And that's kind of the mindset I want you to be in as we Mm -hmm. begin to journey through the Gospel of Mark. We said in our last conversation, we're going to be looking at nine times in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus says or does something and people are amazed now we're not surprised when jesus heals somebody and people are amazed because that's amazing i'm a little more surprised when i read that jesus did some teaching and people were amazed okay yeah that feels different and it feels maybe a little surprising Mm -hmm. although it shouldn't because it's jesus so so let's look at mark chapter Mm -hmm. one to get started and rasul if you would kick us off by reading verses 21 and 22 sure They went into
2: Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he
1: was teaching them as one having
2: authority and not as the scribes.
1: Okay, now some other stuff happens. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then we get to verse 27, and it says, And they were all amazed so that they debated among themselves saying what is this a new teaching with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him so so here we're going to get a little bit of a hybrid event where first they're amazed by his teaching and then they're amazed by the authority that rides along with mm-hmm. that teaching and uh, i want us to think about mostly the teaching side of it in this thing when it says they were amazed at his teaching he tells us why they were amazed why were they amazed He was
3: teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so now I'm thinking, the scribes just wrote down what they were told and had no opinion about it or no expression about it, but Jesus did?
1: Well, we talk about primary sources versus secondary sources versus tertiary sources. What the scribes often did was they quoted their favorite rabbis like Hillel or whoever, they weren't necessarily known because they had strong statements about the scriptures of their own, but they were just kind of recycling the stuff that they had been
3: taught. Quoting their teachers.
1: Yeah. And now you have the ultimate primary authority in Jesus. And the contrast between true authority in teaching and this kind of secondary or tertiary authority was amazing to the people. They'd never heard anything like that. And maybe it's
4: not even a critique of the scribes as much as an emphasis or an exclamation point for Jesus's teaching, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like I wonder if today, if Jesus had come, it would have been a similar type of like, and Jesus spoke with authority, which was different from all the pastors you hear. And so it's not like it's a negative comment Mm -hmm. necessarily on us pastors (laughs) that work really hard on preaching, but it was more like something about the way Jesus was presenting this had just a
1: weight to it Mm -hmm. that you couldn't find anywhere else. Yeah, Yeah, and I think you're exactly right, Daniel, what that does for me. That makes me a little bit mad at Mark that he doesn't tell us what Jesus taught Mm -hmm. that caused him (laughs) him to respond that way, right? That makes me want to know, what was the message about it? But if
3: you think about it, you know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus is teaching and we have his words and now we comment on them. Now Mm -hmm. we preach on them. You know, Sermon on the Mount or, you know, Mm -hmm. the Upper Room Discourse. So it's something like that. It's a new teaching. It's yeah. a a new explanation.
2: You know, I would oftentimes teach on communication, and uh, one of the things that we would expound on is that Aristotle uh, taught that there were three aspects of communication: logos, the accuracy of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Those are the words, right? Mm-hmm. Pathos, which had to deal with your emotional connection mm-hmm. um, to the audience, and ethos, which was your credibility. And all three of those things need to be combined in effective teaching. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that what we see and we see glimpses of this throughout the Gospels is that they're responding to all three in different Mm, ways. There's an accuracy and a precision to what Jesus is saying that is transformative. There's the ethic of compassion and love and connecting with those that weren't seen before by the scribes and religious leaders. And there's a credibility and some of that credibility we see in the passage, you know, that we're about to read because of the effect of the teaching, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, to others. Like, it's one thing to say, your sins are forgiven. It's -hmm. another thing to say, take your mat and get up. And he's like, but to show you who I am, I'm doing both. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
4: Yeah. Or even when God the Father shows up multiple times (laughs) and says, this is my son, in whom i'm well pleased the credibility that comes with that right? right and the fact that other people heard that i mean that's amazing too and they still didn't understand
1: yeah, yeah. and yeah. on the on the mount of transfiguration daniel mm-hmm. when god the father appears and says this is my beloved son it's almost as if he's talking directly to peter and he says listen to him <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i think that um, the first thing they're impressed with they're amazed at his teaching because it is in contrast to the teaching they're accustomed to Mm -hmm. and the closest parallel I have for that in my own experience is the difference between Bible college and seminary Hmm. because when I went to Bible college I mean it was a good school and I had really good teachers and I appreciated my teachers but when I went to seminary they were willing to explore layers of complexity that in Bible college, you just didn't go there. Mm-hmm. You, know? you just kind of went with the basics and the fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. But in seminary, we were challenged by teachers who had spent their lives really trying to explore mm-hmm. at a different level, and that felt different. It was a different learning experience for me than Bible college had been.
3: And maybe that's what The Amazed was about, was the complexity and the well-communicated that we're talking about. But as I'm chewing on this, I'm wondering if maybe another element of the amazement is the actual message. Yeah. Because Jesus turned everything upside down. And instead of this, you know, predicted earthly kingdom and following the laws and what righteousness is about and how you accomplish it, we see him turn everything upside mm-hmm. down. We see him include the outcasts. We see him breaking what appears to be the laws. And that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. I'm still amazed by his teaching when I read the Sermon on the Mount, when I read an ethic that is soaring beyond what I could ever do on my own, Mm -hmm. but that also invites me into a deeper reflection of myself, but what I could be in following him. Yeah, it still works.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it really does, Rasul. And what happens here is after it says they were amazed at his teaching because he taught with authority... He put that authority on display by rescuing a demonized man. Mm -hmm. And the second time amazed appears in this text is verse 27. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. I mean, there were people viewed by the Jewish leadership as false teachers who had come out with new teachings. But they didn't have the power to back it up. Mm-hmm. And now Jesus yeah. backs it up. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Yeah. So, going back
4: to Rasul's criteria that he was sharing. We see that credibility there Mm -hmm. based on the results of the Mm -hmm. teaching, the results of the words that come out of Jesus' mouth. So he had the precision, he had the passion, and then he backed it up by being able to use his words in a way that brought freedom and healing to Mm -hmm. people.
1: And I think, Rasul, it's good that you reminded us that for us today, his teaching still should be amazing Mm -hmm. and we still should be rattled Mm -hmm. by what he calls us to do and be in his name and in his strength, because it is just as, if not even more so, countercultural today as it was in the day that he spoke those words.
0: Yeah, amazing moments in the Gospel of Mark. They're focusing on when we read that people were amazed by Jesus' teaching. There had to have been something different about what they were hearing and how he said it. And it can be easy for us to take the words that we read, he said, in Scripture for granted and forget how he spoke with authority that amazed the crowds and that what he taught is still amazing today. Well, in this next segment, we're going to hear about an amazing moment when Jesus healed a paralyzed man. It was quite an event. And so far out of the ordinary that people were amazed by its supernatural nature. It was another of those, I can't believe what I just saw, moments. people, and another example of how there was something amazing about this Jesus. Have you ever seen
1: or experienced a healing, and I'm not necessarily talking about a divine healing, but just a healing that is so unbelievable that it begs explanation? Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. I have a friend who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in an advanced stage, And she sought healing, prayed for healing, connected with others regarding healing. And she's like eight years out, Mm. and there's no evidence of cancer. It's hard to understand.
4: Grateful, though. Mm -hmm. It's been a couple years now, but my nephew, when he was rushed to Miami Children's Hospital, airlifted there for emergency brain surgery because he had a tumor that most kids who have that tumor die by the age of two. He was eight, and it was the size of a softball in his head. He just started screaming because of headaches, and they literally rushed him there, emergency surgery. Then a a year of treatments and stuff like that. He's doing pretty well. But it was literally that night we were pretty sure he was gone. Like there was just so much against him, and that was pretty amazing.
3: I remember you inviting us to be a part Mm -hmm. of that prayer time for him. That was sacred. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of Zoom, like everyone mm-hmm. being been on the computer. And because I was out of the rhythm of having to travel physically to go to places, I wasn't taking breaks. So mm-hmm. I wasn't f- sitting for 12, 14 hours Oof. trying to help our church figure out what we were doing online. And so, and I was doing that for weeks. And so I ended up developing a compressed disc mm-hmm. um, in my back and uh, just incredible back pain. And limitations and back pain is different. Like it just, Mm -hmm. you know, but also the sense of despair of like not being able to do what I used to Like Mm -hmm. I like to run, I like to be active and and just being like, I can only sit up for 20 minutes and then I'm laying on my back. So just the process of physical therapy and chiropractic and stuff like that, giving me back to a place where I'm able to run again. I just am so grateful Mm. for it. And even though it, it took time, so it makes me appreciate the mobility
1: I have now. Yeah. I don't know how how you respond to some of those kind of things. Sometimes I respond with just amazement, absolutely, yeah. uh, at doctors and medicine, and ultimately what the Lord does to use all of those things to provide healing. Sometimes I respond with confusion because of the people I know who have gone through things and they weren't healed. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. and. I don't think God loves them any less or anything. It's just trying to understand. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I think about that a lot with people who are trying to have a baby. And for every friend we know who tried, 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 and then had a baby, we also have friends who have tried, 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 and never had. And then there's those who don't try but have a baby. Yeah, like how do you process that? It's the same confusion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Talking about these kind of miraculous healing type events— One thing we know about Jesus is he did a lot of that, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're going to focus on one because the people responded with amazement. But before we do, Elisa, would you start us off by reading Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31?
3: You bet. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her took her hand and helped her up the fever left her and she began to wait on them
1: okay now that's amazing but it's not Mm -hmm. the amazing story we're gonna talk about just as kind of a side note Jesus grew up obviously he was born in Bethlehem he grew up in Nazareth which is more interior away from both the Mediterranean Sea to the west and the Sea of Galilee to the east But when he began his public ministry, the headquarters for the northern ministry seems to have been Capernaum, because that's the place that pops up the most. And the passage you just read about Simon and Andrew's house, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, that, many believe, was the headquarters where Jesus operated out of. So when he would be in Capernaum, he most likely stayed with Simon Peter and his extended family in their house. Ministry things took place there, like the healing of the mother-in-law, and like the miraculous healing we're going to see next. Because in chapter 2, they come back to Capernaum after being away for some period of time, and the people there hear that he was at home. Well, for him, home apparently may have been Simon Peter's house. How' would you like that for yeah. your house to be Jesus's home, which it actually kind of is, so which
4: which is helpful because there's other places where it talks about the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, yeah, kind of a lack of home, yeah, so it's interesting that like he kind of
1: had an adopted family, yeah, and we've talked before on the program about perhaps a second adopted family in Bethany in the southern mm-hmm. realm, Lazarus and Mary and Martha which seems to maybe have been the headquarters for his southern ministry. So it's just kind of neat to Mm -hmm. put some of those pieces together. So I want us to read verses 1 through 12 of chapter 2 and just kind of read around the circle. Rasul, could you start us off? Sure.
2: And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men.
3: Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven.
4: Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves, and he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up. Take your mat and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this.
1: Yeah, that's one that'll stay in your memory banks for a while. I think, you know, there are a few things just on a human level that it's kind of easy to gloss over. But let's say this is Peter's house. We know that Peter was no shrinking violet I mean he wasn't afraid to be out there and expressing himself Can you imagine How he may have Expressed himself When they started Tearing the roof Off his house (laughs) Uh, I mean Yeah You're waiting for The guy to walk up And say you're in good hands With Allstate," You know or something Or (laughs) mayhem Mayhem just happened (laughs) You know You don't Uh, think He
4: stood there And was like Ah praise be to God (laughs) No
1: No, probably not (laughs) Um, (laughs) No I don't I don't think He was that far along In his journey yet Um, Mm. But it also tells us I think How quickly I mean this is Mark chapter 2 How quickly Word spread. There Mm -hmm. wasn't Instagram. There wasn't any of that kind of stuff to spread the message. But the things that Jesus was doing was so provocative and so attention getting that word spread. So the second people heard he was there, the house was flooded with people. So much Mm -hmm. so that when they come with this guy who's paralyzed on the mat, they can't even get in the door.
3: And to that point the text that you had us read is a few minutes ago, you know, he is capable of healing. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. And, you know, that word has to have spread about that too. Otherwise, why would they have brought someone infirmed to him? So it wasn't just his teaching. It was his acts that they already knew.
1: Yeah. And again, the question that Jesus poses to the scribes as their question, who does he think he is forgiving sins? I mean, think about the four friends who brought this guy on the mat. They didn't bring him there to get his sins forgiven, they brought him there for Jesus mm-hmm. to heal him so he could walk. Mm-hmm. But they said, Who are you to forgive sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus makes this <laughs> brilliant <laughs> statement which is easier to say? Mm-hmm. You know, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk home? Well, it's a whole lot easier to say your sins are forgiven because you don't have to prove it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to back mm-hmm. it up. right? And here, Jesus says, it'd be real easy for me to just say your sins are forgiven because I don't have to prove anything with that. But let me prove my authority mm-hmm. by doing the other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when the people are amazed, they say, we have never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And no it is, doubt.
3: It is ironic because... The greater miracle, really, is that the sins are forgiven. Correct. (laughs) I mean, that's astounding, but we are impressed by the healing.
1: Yeah. And what I find really interesting, verse 12, it says, And he rose and immediately went out in the sight of all, so that they were all amazed. Mm. That includes those scribes who were complaining. Mm. All of them were amazed Mm -hmm. and said, we've never seen anything like it. And these are small Villages, small towns,
4: yeah. small homes, small homes, <laughs> all of those people most likely are in a context where they knew who that paralytic was. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt communally that yeah. he was not able to even get there himself yeah. and so the very fact that they see this person, they know they know his life story, they know his experiences yeah. is healed. I mean that had to have just stuck
1: with them forever, yeah. hence why we're reading about it today, yeah. Amazing. Uh, Jesus is amazing. He was amazing, he is amazing, he will forever be amazing. And even the scribes were amazed
0: at his power and authority. Yeah, healing a paralyzed man and forgiving his sins, no doubt. Jesus was and is amazing indeed. Not hard to imagine why people were amazed. And I would invite you to reflect on the moments that Jesus has shown up in your life, you know, in amazing ways. You've got those situations. I know you do. And it would be faith-building to recognize them as such. Well, we're exploring the miraculous, amazing events recorded in the Gospel of Mark and revisiting the awe and wonder that many people experience as they witness the power of Jesus here on earth. And as we study the Bible together in this Amazing Moments in Mark series, I think we'll be amazed by the fact that this same Jesus who walked on the earth 2,000 years ago is still transforming lives today. Well, have you ever had a bit of good news that you just couldn't wait to share with people? Now, what if you were told to keep that a secret? Could you do that? Sometimes it's tough, isn't it? Well, next, they're going to go to a passage that talks about how quickly news about Jesus spread, even though sometimes he asked them not to tell. And have you ever heard of something called the Messianic Secret? Well, that will come up in the next part of this conversation about amazing moments in Mark. What comes to your mind when you hear the word
1: authority? A boss. Okay. Somebody in charge of so, me. Yeah. I think of, for better
2: and for worse, the Port Authority in mm, New York. York. Yeah. Um, so the Port Authority, there's two aspects of it. One, there's a physical location, which is the big bus terminal that is this massive structure where anybody's getting a bus you know, into the city. That's where it, it drops you off. But in a broader sense, the Port Authority is the agency in New York and New Jersey that governs all the ports and all the ports of entry, and so, yeah, I think about it because like you can't just drop a yacht off in, <laughs> in Manhattan, you know what I mean, You need to coordinate with those for everybody's safety and benefit, so that there's the right type of number of docks and things like that, or right number of spaces. So there's a group
1: of people who are coordinating all of those things, or at least they sh- should be. Okay. I've never lived in New York, but I had never heard of the Port Authority until 9-11 right. because a number of Port Authority police yes. were involved in the towers and things of that nature. So that's a very positive view of authority that they they make sure everybody's safe and everybody's where they're supposed to be. What are some more negative aspects of authority?
3: Oh my gosh, I think about the concentration camps in mm. Nazi mm. Germany and mm.
4: Just the horrific abuse mm. of human lives. Yeah. yeah. Mine was not near that <laughs> graphic uh, graphic or epic. But just the times that I've been under bosses who have either really enjoyed showing their authority mm-hmm. in not good ways mm-hmm. or have just not been good bosses. And the way they treat people is not with the kindness. Maybe they are all about them and wanting what they want to get done whether that's in the best interests of the organization or not. Yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
2: I would also say the New York Port Authority is <laughs> <the> <laughs> example because if you've ever gone into that bus complex like it's just kind of run down and kind of messy, doesn't always feel safe. So like it reminds me of a kind of dereliction. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you have power but there's also a certain aspect of responsibility that comes with that that should
3: utilize authority is such a gift to utilize it well yeah Yeah, you're right
1: I think how we view authority is often shaped by how we see authority abused Mm. whether it's domineering parents Mm -hmm. or a dominating spouse who almost robs their partner of their personality. Or do. Spiritual abuse in churches. Yeah, toxic churches, things like that. Think about this all in the context of first century Israel. There were two points of authority, both of which were largely being abused. Rome was a civil authority that enforced their authority with violence and subjugation. The Jewish religious authority enforced their authority through fear and intimidation. We see that in John 9, don't we, where the man born blind's parents won't even speak out in his behalf because they're afraid of being put out of the synagogue. That's not healthy authority at that
3: point. Well, Just to say this, too, the cultural norm of authority in the family that was patriarchal and left women and children mm, without yeah. value. It was a cultural reality, mm. but that's a kind of misuse of authority.
4: Yeah. yeah. Now with Rome and the Jewish religious leaders, though, there would also be a positive side to those authorities because Rome was a protector in some ways. By being, Romana. Yeah, mm-hmm. bigger mm-hmm. and stronger. And yep, they that's definitely true. abused it at times. Mm-hmm. And then they brought a lot of like utilities and things for the first time that were a benefit to people. And then the Jewish religious leaders as well. There's positive examples we have from the Bible of leaders that were Mm -hmm. really trying to do what's right by God and the people.
1: Yeah, authority used well brings order and structure to a community, whether it's a business or a church or Mm -hmm. a family or a town. Authority used well brings structure and a degree of safety. Authority abused, again, brings fear and all kinds of other stuff. And we're looking at amazing moments in the gospel of Mark. And this brings us to a point where people are amazed at Jesus's authority. Now we saw that expressed a little bit in regards to his teaching. We're going to see it now expressed into a, a miraculous deliverance of a man who is demon-possessed it's in Mark chapter 5 if mm-hmm. you want to turn to Mark chapter 5 the familiar story of the man who had a legion of demons if you will remember mm-hmm. so anybody want to net that story out for us real quickly
4: poor
3: guy mm-hmm. <laughs> I always feel so bad for him his name was Legion which expressed how many demons really were in him And, I mean, he he would try to survive, but bottom line, the demons would throw him here and there, and he begged Jesus to help him, and Jesus did heal him, and he sent the demons into a large herd of pigs, and they ran off a cliff Mm -hmm. and died, and it was kind of an economical tragedy for the region, because Mm -hmm. they depended upon the pigs, but Jesus was above that. His authority was above that. And uh, the man was in his right mind.
4: Yeah. He was so powerful and out of control at times Mm -hmm. that they would try to bind him with chains, Mm -hmm. restrain him with shackles, and Mm -hmm. often he would evidently break out of those or whatever. And then when he does come to his right mind through this miracle, he basically begs Jesus to become one of the disciples. Yeah. And in a kind of a surprising moment, Jesus says, no, go back to your community and be present there, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think
1: is a surprise, you know. Yeah. Jesus specifically says, go and tell what great things God has done for Mm -hmm. you. And Mark tells us that he went away and told what great things Jesus had done for him, Mm -hmm. you know, which is absolutely appropriate. But it's also a little bit of a play on words from Mark Mm -hmm. there a little bit. Yeah, it is. I noticed
2: <clears throat> this one last thing is that you see authority used and misused all over the place in this story. Legion is under this authority of these demons who are literally controlling his body um, mm-hmm. where he's staying in the, in the graves. Then Jesus exercises greater authority, but then the people try to use their authority <laughs> to say, hey, you got to get out of here, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, that's
1: good. Well, and for Jesus, I mean... This is a rescue mission. This is spiritual warfare, right? And Mm -hmm. he's now in enemy territory in a sense because the Gerizim region, as it says in verse one, was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. So it was not a part of Israel proper because Israel proper kind of ended at the Jordan River. So on the east side, you had this region called the Decapolis, which that word means 10 cities. Mm -hmm. There were these 10, and they probably weren't, big cities, they were probably just villages of maybe 100 mm-hmm. or 150 people, but there were 10 of them, and they were largely populated by Gentiles. Mm-hmm. So this is a different kind of prospect over here, and Jesus rescues this man, and as you said, Daniel, he begs Jesus to let him go with him, and Jesus says no, but now read verse 20 for us, if you would. 20?
3: Yeah. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed
1: all the people were amazed and it's so interesting scholars who spend a lot of time in the Gospel of Mark talk about a feature in the Gospel of Mark called the messianic secret that there's so many times in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus does something for someone and then he says don't tell anybody yeah don't yeah. tell anybody don't tell anybody but there are times like this where he says, go tell everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh And the man does. Mm -hmm. And in my little biblical imagination, I try to imagine this guy going back to his one of the 10 cities and finding his family. Maybe at one point he had a wife and some kids and he's been estranged from them because of this demonic oppression that he's been under and possession. And he comes home whole and free. And Mm -hmm. the people who knew him best And grieved over him most, I would say, are the ones who were most amazed by the change that they'd seen that Jesus had done in him.
4: And if that's true that that side of the lake was more populated by Gentiles, then there feels like there's a pretty strong statement that Jesus is making by instead of it being a secret, telling him to go and share Mm. what Jesus has done.
1: Yeah, he didn't only do it there. Um, I mean, if you remember Mark 1 where Jesus healed the leper, he said, go and tell the priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go well, and tell
3: him. And we also looked in, at the, the healing of the paralytic, and that was in front of everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talked about everybody would have known who he was, it's like when he wants people to understand his authority, mm-hmm. there's freedom to share it.
1: Yeah. And so it says, everyone was amazed. Everyone was amazed. Mm -hmm. And I I sometimes kind of flinch when I hear that word, everyone, because we live in such a cynical age. Mm -hmm. We live in such a cynical age that you could not get everyone to be amazed at anything, (laughs) even if they all saw it with their own eyes, right? And we live
4: in a marketing age where if we see a phrase like, everyone's amazed... We hear marketing jargon yeah. of like, do you want to hear what the most amazing thing ever? Everyone we talk to is amazed by this new thing. Da, 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 right. Yeah. And so like not only do we live in a cynical culture, but that cynicism has come from words like amazed being way overused. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's not being overused here. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone was amazed. And because of this man telling his story of what Jesus had done for him. And as we wrap up this conversation, I think about my own story Mm -hmm. and the times that I've had an opportunity to share it with people. And there are times that people look at me apart and say, come on, that didn't really happen. Really happened. (laughs) There are amazing elements, even to the most ordinary of stories, just because Jesus engages those stories Himself, and that brings amazement. I think of this guy, and I think of him going home and saying something like what the old gospel song said I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing all by itself. And so, we began by talking about authority and how much of Mm -hmm. our view of authority is shaped by how it's abused. Mm -hmm. Here we see a magnificent example of how it was used not for the benefit of the person in authority, but for the benefit of someone who had no authority and was actually being oppressed by a very different and dangerous kind of authority. And I think it's a good reminder to us that as we think about all the different ways our lives can and should mirror the heart and life of Christ, that this is one of them. Mm. How we use authority reflects on Him.
0: That's a great reminder, Bill. As we're inspired by Jesus amazing moments of authority we see in these passages of scripture, uh, we can be encouraged in our own life to use authority in a positive way because our actions should mirror Jesus and point back to him. Well, our study is called Amazing Moments in Mark, and in that part of the conversation we took note of one time there in chapter 5 where people were amazed by the kind of authority Jesus had and what he had authority over in casting those demons out of that man it was a rich story in so many ways wasn't it all right well we will wrap up the first part of our amazing moments in mark's study by looking at a fourth time in this gospel that we find that people were amazed by jesus and were in a sense just amazed to be in his presence amazed to have a brush with greatness moment with jesus but first let's pause for this reminder from our daily bread ministries Discover the Word and the many resources from Our Daily Bread Ministries exist thanks to the financial partnership of listeners and friends like you who share our mission to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. If you'd like to give and partner with us financially in that mission, simply visit discovertheword.org and look for the donate icon up at the top of the page. That's at discovertheword.org. Click donate. And now let's wrap up the first part of this conversation about amazing moments with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark.
3: So Bill, we've been talking about amazing moments mm-hmm. in Mark. <laughs> but what do you think that word amaze, amazement, amazing really means?
1: Can we unpack that a little bit? Yeah, it's probably a good idea um, to do that since words matter. And what's interesting is that the Greek language at times is a very versatile language. For instance, in the English language, we basically have one word for love, Mm -hmm. and that's love. That's what you get. So I love pizza. I love Liverpool. I love my wife. Mm -hmm. I promise you my wife's going to make sure I mean something different when I'm talking (laughs) about her. Um, In the same way, Greek has a smorgasbord of terms that get translated into amazed or marveled at. And they have different flavoring to them. But, for instance, when we saw in the conversation about the healing of the demonized man in the synagogue and it says they were amazed... First, it said they were amazed at his teaching. Those are two different words for amazed right So they were
3: amazed, and then they were amazed at his teaching. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, They were amazed at his teaching, then they were amazed at his authority because he had rescued the demonized man. So one of them means they were astounded, overwhelmed, get this, struck out of their senses. Mm. (laughs) That's a pretty good word picture. Uh, The other word that was used second in that particular text is a word that means to be surprised or astonished. Surprised or astonished. And there are nuances mm-hmm. to, to those different words. To be struck out of your senses, that's pretty graphic. Um, mm-hmm. I also think
4: too, though, sometimes we can get so tied to the definitions of words that we forget what are the Gospels doing here? They're inviting us into stories, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's the stories that shape us. And so each of these examples of amazed, there's a story that goes with it that kind of nuances and shapes mm-hmm. our view of amazement as well, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: okay. Well, let's, let's wrap up this series of conversations. And then in our next set, we're going to pick up where we left off. But for this one, we want to go to Mark chapter nine and to kind of get us started for this conversation. If you ever watched David Letterman when he was on, he used to have a segment on the show sometimes called Brush With Greatness, where he would talk to, you know, ordinary people who had, through some circumstance, run into some famous person, and it had made a difference to them. It had impacted them. Have you had something like that where you've met a famous person and it made a mark on you? You mean apart from you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay Uh, 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 sarcasm there you go
3: (laughs) okay this is an illustration that comes to mind I had been invited to Washington DC to the White House um, to participate in a presidential gathering on the topic of HIV AIDS in Africa specifically and many quote Christian leaders were there and inside the White House I met Max Lucado And I'd always loved Max Lucado's work. I feel like he's just the real deal, real pastor's heart. And in that moment, I just asked him, would you talk to our staff back in Denver and pray for them? Hmm. And he said, yeah. So I called our office at Mops International and put Pastor Max Lucado on the phone and he prayed over our staff. And I was just like, wow, that was really a neat moment.
1: Yeah. That's that's great. Good. Max Max is a wonderful Bible teacher. He's a great guy. Yeah. yeah. You guys come up with anything?
4: I was thinking to myself that there's quite a few of these that I just kind of hold close to the chest.
1: Yeah. And that's <laughs> right. okay
4: too. It was really special yes. cool moment and it some of them are like names people would mm-hmm. be amazed like, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, that person's awesome." Mm-hmm. Um but then some of them are just for me, like mm-hmm. I've grown up listening to this person or something that mm-hmm. maybe most people even wouldn't know who they are. I think the story I want to share, though, is how often on our podcast, Where You From, I've met people I didn't know. And by the end of the conversation Mm -hmm. with them, Mm -hmm. I felt kind of geeked out that we had spent time with them. Yes.
2: Uh, Yeah. I was thinking about I was on a plane uh, before and ended up sharing a plane with uh, Felicia Rashad
4: you know Mm -hmm. aka claire (laughs) huxtable yeah and
2: uh so i'm like man i'd like to say something to her (laughs) well the little bit of the connection was the film juneteenth uh faith and freedom that we put out we talk about a pastor who's Basically, built out Houston third and fourth ward named Jack Eights. Well, she graduated from Jack Eights High School, oh. and I found that out in the research. So I, I approached her and said, Hey, I just <laughs> did this film where we highlight, you know, uh, the founder of the school that you graduated from. And she looked and was like, You know that, you know, and she's like, Thanks, you know. And she took the card, and I was just like, I just Talked to Claire Huxtable and she was interested (laughs) in my film. So it was really cool. That is great.
1: You know, these brushes with greatness, if you can use that term Mm -hmm. are all good and they do make a difference to us because for a brief moment, we're in the orbit of someone who is very, very well known and someone that we could have never imagined having an Mm -hmm. encounter with. You have to multiply that by infinity to get (laughs) what was happening in the first century when, the Son of God was walking on the earth, and people came into His orbit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see one of those times, and it's of of all of these amazing moments that we're looking at in the Gospel of Mark. This is probably the one that's the most amorphous. This is one that's that it is the hardest to define. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say that up front, but it's still amazing, and it's amazing because Jesus is there, yeah. okay. and maybe that's enough. So, in Mark chapter nine, the chapter opens with the Mount of Transfiguration, which is a pretty big deal. Amazing. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And ironically, that's not where you're leading us. <laughs> no. <laughs> that <laughs> that's what be, happens next. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's, yeah. on the, that's the mountaintop moment. And then they, Jesus and Peter, James, and John move down into the valley where the remainder of his disciples are in the midst of a shame-honor contest debate Hmm. with the religious leaders because a guy brought his demon-possessed son to them to heal him, which Jesus previously in the Gospel of Mark had given them authority to do, and they couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of this argument and debate, Jesus shows up. And Rasul, if you would read for us verses 14 and 15 of Mark 9. When they came
2: back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him.
1: When the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed. Now, why were they amazed? I mean, he hadn't done anything miraculous. We've talked about his teaching and how people were, he hasn't said anything. They just turn around and say, oh, there he is. And they just run to him and they're amazed. Why are they amazed?
3: Did he look different? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, that's one of the questions I've heard people talk about is was Jesus almost having a Moses moment of like after spending time on the mountain, ironically with Moses and Elijah?
1: Mm-hmm. Was his face glowing? Yeah, or they something? call it a afterglow kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's very possible because on the mountain he was transfigured mm-hmm. and shone brightly And like you said, Moses experienced some of that just from being in the presence of God. Jesus himself is God in the presence of his father. Mm -hmm. And
3: And can you you talk for a minute about what transfigured really means?
1: Yeah. The idea of transfigured is very different from transformed. We think in Romans 12... Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed from the inside out. Transfigured seems to have the idea of what was on the inside of Jesus was made visible on the outside of him. Interesting. His essence, even though he set aside his divine prerogatives to use his divine powers for his own benefit, he was still God. 100% mm-hmm. in a human body and it's that that was put on display the through godness. being transfigured yeah the
3: godness yeah. it's interesting too you know bill when you took us to verse 15 and said so the people were amazed my translation in the NIV says they were overwhelmed with wonder yeah mm-hmm. which is really beautiful, isn't yeah. it
2: beautiful and i you know in my perspective on that passage of what amazed them had actually more to do with his reputation already and yeah already um yeah. you know these disciples and the scribes it's hard to imagine that jesus's name didn't come up yeah. when they yeah. were uh, debating uh with each other and it's hard to imagine that there wasn't even a sense of anticipation of like well man if their leader was here mm-hmm. he might be able to do for him, what he did for Legion, we talked about in our last Mm -hmm. conversation, what he did for the Deaf Man, what he did for all those others that Mark had captured to this point. And then on top of that, the teaching
4: that they were, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. I just thought it was almost like a celebrity, yeah, like yeah. it's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, and, uh, we're over halfway through the gospel of Mark at this point. So yeah. there is like this sense in which a movement's been building and momentum's growing. Yeah. And maybe it is a lot like what we talked about at the beginning with a brush with greatness yeah. kind of moment. And we
3: get told just a little later in the story that the disciples haven't been able to get the demon out or the spirit out of this boy. So it's a matter of, yeah, well, here's the real dude, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, and all of this, I think, is helpful because this is the kind of stuff we do when the Bible doesn't specifically tell us. Mm-hmm. If Mark would have written that, and they were all amazed because Jesus' face glowed <laughs> with the afterglow of transfiguration. Good, now we know. But apparently we don't need to know mm-hmm. that. What we need to know is that Jesus showed up and the people were amazed. And the two main theories that I came across, one of them was that it was kind of an afterglow of the transfer. The other one was that Jesus kind of appeared in their presence at kind of like a critical point in the debate. Mm -hmm. And they were just amazed not only that he was there, but that he was there at an opportune time with an authoritative presence, Mm. the greatest of all brushes with greatness, if you will because of the way he arrived at just the right moment to settle the debate, to heal the child, to rescue the dad from his fear and despair. This dad, whose words I have echoed in my own prayers a million times, I believe, Lord help my unbelief. Mm -hmm. Man, this guy's one of my heroes Mm -hmm. and I'm thankful that he was able to have a brush with greatness with Jesus.
0: Brush with greatness. Yeah, we talk about being starstruck with celebrities and athletes and well known people that we meet. But can you even imagine your amazement if that brush with greatness was with Jesus? Wow, amazing. Well you're listening to the Discover the Word podcast alongside Bill Crowder, Elisa Morgan, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Barry. This was part one of a two episode study in which our Bible study team has been sharing and exploring. Amazing Moments in Mark. And so I think it'd be good for us to take a moment right now to think about the astonishing impact that Jesus had on the people he met and to realize that Jesus is still doing amazing work in the lives of people today. Amazing moments, not only in Mark. Well, in part two, Bill and Elisa and Daniel and Rasul will continue this fascinating study called Amazing Moments in Mark and find five more times we read in the Gospel of Mark that people were amazed by Jesus. What kinds of things did they see and hear that caused them to be amazed? Well, make sure you're here to find out and be prepared to be amazed again as we consider these moments together. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures Challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedding. A discover the Word is provided by our daily bread ministry.